Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Twisted Talks. I'm Josh. I'm Tanya. And this week Tanya is covering a Irish case. Yes, it's Irish, yeah. Yes, um, I just wanted to make sure because, you know, we got to point out extra when it's Irish. <laughs> yeah, and as well, um, this week we are recording over the Anchor app. So if there's any differences in sound quality or anything like that or any time delays, that's why um, we're just being lazy. Well, I'm being lazy, to be honest. I didn't want to drop it. fingers crossed because normally Anchor is very good anyway, so it should be fine. Yeah. Um, and as well, just before I get into this case, this has been kind of on my mind this week. Um, we never really took the time at New Year to kind of say thank you to everyone that's kind of listened to us and supported us over the last, what, six months, nearly six months. Um, yeah, not far off yeah. now. I think it'll so, be six months in February. Yeah, so... I just wanted to kind of take a moment and just say thank you very much to everyone who has supported us, who's reached out and given us feedback, suggestions, things like that. Um, anyone who's left a comment or anyone who's left a review, um, we really do appreciate all the support that we've gotten. You know, this is something that we just kind of decided to do on a whim one day and we are both delighted with <laughs> and because it was a whim it's the longest whim we've probably both maintained yeah uh but we are we are very happy and we are delighted with everyone like the response that we've gotten and the fact that people seem to actually genuinely like it when we just sit down and chat shit for like <laughs> for like half an hour to 45 minutes yeah uh, it's like you know there's a case but there's also us uh going off on tangents and stuff yeah, so of course of course it's you know has to be done um so yeah so thank you Thank you very much, guys. We appreciate you. Basically, yeah, Tanya covered it. And I'm just going to continue saying thanks at the end of every episode because I'm not feeling very sentimental today. Sorry about it. Yeah, I was. I was feeling sentimental. So this week's case <laughs> is the case of Malcolm MacArthur. So Malcolm, Malcolm Daniel... I've never heard of this, so I'm excited. Yeah. Um. Well, not excited about the murder, but, you know. Well, I mean, no, he's a treat. But... Intrigued, intrigued that is a better word um i'm excited to be shocked but i'm not excited for what this person has obviously done exactly so malcolm daniel edward macarthur was born on april 17th 1945 he was born we're going a, back a bit we going back a bit so he was no. born into a wealthy farming family that had been scottish settlers at Bremount, which was a 180 acre estate near trim in county meath Malcolm was the only son of Daniel and Irene MacArthur, and he attended Christian Brothers School, the good old CBS, boy. We've all um, been there. Well, well, I have, briefly. I haven't, because I'm a girl. Um, Are you sure? But... I thought I saw you in computer class. Uh, look, that was one time, okay? One time. Why were you um, in the men's bathroom? It was an experience. I hadn't experienced it. <laughs> Um, so later, Malcolm went on to study at several U.S. colleges before he finally graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in 1967. Now, I'm not... Oh, so I'm not in the U.S., as in he went to America for school? Yeah, he went to America for college. Now, I have no idea what exactly he got his Bachelor in, um, but okay. he, ended, he did get a Bachelor of Arts degree. So, you now, know, at least he accomplished this, something. Yeah, True. So after this, he returned to Ireland, where he is described as being a, quote, a well-known eccentric character in Dublin social circles. 
Now, Malcolm's mother has claimed that his father was a violent man and that Malcolm once needed five stitches in his hand after being bitten by his father. Like, there is always, like, so many of the cases we cover, if not all of them so far. There's always been some sort of traumatic childhood story or, like, child abuse or something like that. And I do think, like, don't get me wrong, I know some people are born psychopaths and born sociopaths. Yeah, there's born and made. Exactly, but I really do think that, like, the amount of serial killers and murderers and criminals who have some form of trauma in their past, sorry if you can hear my dog howling there, uh, I'm done in the bedroom. Don't worry, I didn't hear anything anyway. (laughs) She's up in the sitting room, she's not on her own, Justin is with her, she's fine, she's just dramatic. Um, but Mood. she's just dramatic as fuck. But Me it is when I don't get my way. You know, the amount of criminals and killers and serial killers that have some sort of trauma in their past, especially yeah. in their childhood. Um, so in conclusion, treat your children well. I would also just like to add for the sake of it, because I feel like it's not something that's said a lot in true crime stuff and podcasts. So yeah. I feel like just even as a one off to mention. Obviously, there is also people out there who've been diagnosed with things such as, um, you know, being uh, like the actual diagnosis, psychopath and, you know, narcissist and, you know, sociopath and all these different things that obviously a lot of the time we associate with criminals and bad people. But there's a lot of people out there as well with these diagnoses who like try hard every day and they still be a good person and a normal person, you know, just because you have something like that doesn't Doesn't mean mean that you're going to be a killer or a bad person. Exactly. Like I know there is one lady on TikTok. Um, I don't think I follow her. I think she's just come up on my FYP a few times. Um, but she is a diagnosed psychopath, I'm sure. And she really, um, seems to be kind of trying to bring awareness to the, the fact diagnosis. that there's people there like that are the fact normal that there are people out there who are diagnosed as a psychopath or a sociopath who have no interest in being bad people or living that kind of lifestyle where you're hurting people um that are willing to work and try and put in the effort to i suppose meet society's expectations of what a normal we'll say a quote-unquote normal person should be yeah um, but yeah i'm sorry i'm just looking at my drinks bottle and i've noticed that like my design is coming off which is very upsetting because i've only got Have you, oh wait has it been going in the dishwasher i've never to be honest i've not washed it since i got it but no it's not been in the dishwasher um well, that, I think, yeah that answers that um i think maybe part of it is because the kids at work are like obsessed with it because it's winnie the pooh and I've caught a few of them yeah. with it in their hands. Um, and it does look like it's been kind of scratched off a little bit. So I'm just going to have to keep it up higher at work so they can't get at it. But anyway, back into the case. So as I said, he apparently once needed five stitches in his hand after being bitten by his father. Now, Malcolm's father passed what away. What a thing to do, to bite your child. To bite your child. Like, I know, like... That's like feral my dad, aggression. <laughs> like, my dad, when I was a kid... Um, I, I was a biter. I was a biter. And I'm still a biter to this day. It's just, it's part of who I am. And Yeah, but he, there's a difference. When you were younger, you know, that's a thing that sometimes children do. Um, no, and let sometimes me finish it, my story. Well, what I was so, going to say is, and as an adult, sometimes it's just a kink. Yeah. Um. So, like, I, I bit my dad once when I was a kid and he bit me back. And I never, never bit anyone inside that house again. <laughs> I was traumatised. I mean, um, Razzle Dazzle taught the lesson that needed to be taught. He did. Look, I learned what I needed to learn. Um, 
<laughs> it's but on the same note, guys, don't bite your kids. Yeah, like that's not how I go about. Um, n- to be fair, none of the kids that I work with, um, currently have an issue with biting. But that's not how I would go about it if they were biting. Um, I think I used to bite when I was a child as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just find it something I still do. Like not even biting people necessarily, but like I'm constantly. I like biting. how you say necessarily, as in like you know sometimes I run up and chomp on someone's face, but most of the time I don't. I'm pretty sure I bit you like two weeks ago. <laughs> Did you? I think so. I think I just caught your hand and I just went... <laughs> Trauma block. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Malcolm's father ended up passing away in 1974. And this is when Malcolm inherited £70,000. Um, which... And what year? When was this? Did you? Say? 1974. So that was about... So that would be worth um... a lot more now. Yeah. So I now you know I'm terrible at maths. So I don't know if I got the figures... For 1974, correct. But if I did, if I did, we'll say somehow managed to get them correct. That would have been about seventy nine thousand euro, five hundred sixty four. Uh, sorry, seven seventy nine thousand five hundred sixty four euro and ten cent. Um, I think at the time, and in today's economy, that's roughly, <clears throat> excuse me, seven hundred ninety two thousand five hundred thirty three euro and seventeen cent. So it's closer to a million, really, than it is even half a million, almost. Yeah. That's a now, mean, wow. It's reported that MacArthur never worked um, as he lived off of his inheritance, which had been made from selling the family I would car. do. I would do the same. <laughs> I would do my <laughs> I do not. Thing. Josh is like, I do not disagree with that. Um, like, okay, so... I'm probably about to disagree with every other life choice you've made, but, but at this point, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. So that money had been made from selling the 180-acre farm that the family had. Um, now, despite Chunky. never working, now despite never working, MacArthur was regarded as an eccentric, intellectual type of person. And in May, you know, 19- I do always notice though, like, not, I'm not like, um, like you know, like a lot of people that don't seem to like feel like um comfortable in like school and work environments always tend to be people who are really smart not the people yeah. who like school and like work environments there's loads of really smart people there too but like yeah, but it's I, just I know what you interesting mean. to see that there's so many people who don't you know c- c- go yeah. with society norms of working and education and they're still above average iq and things like that yeah like now i will say what i have noticed in terms of what you just said there um in terms of we'll say people who don't feel comfortable in school or who don't tend to like enjoy school or excel school but are still regarded as very intellectual um in my opinion what i've kind of noticed is those people tend to have a higher iq and it's what it is is that school isn't stimulating enough for them whereas it might be stimulating to your peers who are intelligent but they might have we'll say a lower iq so it kind of matches their level of intelligence. So like we'll say I would have been quite advanced in reading as a child. Like when I was in. Yeah, we, the two of us were like. We roughly, were, yeah. Um, we were so sluts like for was, a good book. We were absolute book whores. But we'll say when I was in senior infants, I was reading at a second class level. So I was reading. Um, My level of reading was three years ahead of the others in my age group. I'm not one bit surprised. But then, obviously, everyone caught up to me. And no, well, obviously, no offence to everyone else that was in your class, but I'm not surprised at that earlier yeah. point. 
um but then eventually um <clears throat> my peers reading levels caught up to me and that's when I started to struggle in school because I was still quite advanced with the reading and by the time they had kind of caught up to me I had already covered that material so I remember I used to take Gavin's school books out of his bag when I was a kid because, because he'd be ahead he was ahead and I had already read every inch of my English books like cover to cover every book that was in the house had been read cover to cover I used to read newspapers for entertainment um as a kid because I had nothing else to read but imagine the now the only time the... we look at a newspaper is for research yeah but then we'll say by the time I got to second or third class because I had already read that material I was bored and that's where I was struggling because it wasn't able to keep my attention and it wasn't able to keep my focus because I was already too familiar with it so even though my peers had caught up to me I was still understimulated in the classroom yeah it's like you know I never hear here of like I know I'm like obviously gone off topic but I never hear of people like skipping years here whereas it seems to no. be something that does happen the thing in is, like America it's not, like it's not even that I needed to skip a year like just to clarify I'm not like highly intelligent or anything I have a basic level of intelligence I was just highly intelligent when it came to reading specifically um but like it wasn't that I needed to be a couple of years ahead of my classmates or anything I probably should have been in like some kind of advanced placement for English um but we don't again we don't have something like that here until you get to secondary yeah, school yeah. um so yeah there you there, there you go that's a little bit of background history on me um, um yeah I think and, and I actually don't know I can't remember what I was like for like you know in terms of if I was ahead in terms of reading and stuff but I know I used to obviously read a lot whether I would have been ahead or not I don't know but I know from my yeah. assessment that I have an above average IQ, not not majorly, I'm not bragging because it's only like literally a fucking fraction of an inch above. <laughs> yeah, see, I've never had my IQ tested, but I just don't think I'm... Did you not get it done in the thing? No, I got tested for, so I got assessed for ADHD, autism, BPD and dyscalculia and dyslexia. Obviously, I don't have dyslexia, but I, I do have dyscalculia which if you're unfamiliar is um, similar to dyslexia, but it's with numbers, so with maths. So I have like a learning disability in maths. Yeah, because um, like, I'm surprised yours didn't come up. Or maybe, because it, it should have been on the thing, because like, well, um, obviously I got tested for the BPD and that's when I found out. Um, it was, it, it, she was, it was calculated through my, um, oh. that assessment. Um, I'm not going to look into it now because I'll get sidetracked and distracted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After it's something to check out after. Yeah, because I know I do have my report. I'm sure in my emails. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna have another look at mine later. Actually. Um, hang on. Let me get it up so I remember to. It's like side note. It's in there somewhere. Um. So back to the case. Um. Yes. in May 1982, Malcolm took his partner, who was a woman named Brenda Little, um, and their son, who was called Colum Malcolm, on a holiday to the Canary Islands. Now, after six weeks there, his inheritance ran out. Stop the lights. Nearly a million quid in today's money. And it lasted him. So he got it in 1974, 75, 76, 77, 78, 79. Eight years? 81, 82, eight years, lasted him eight years because he wasn't working, he wasn't trying to supplement that income, he wasn't investing it or doing anything. Yeah, like he was obviously clearly, you know, still, you know, living like a relatively luxurious life with that money. 
But like, yeah. whereas if he'd lived like a normal person, that money could have probably lasted him donkey's years. But he was like, no, I'm going to yeah. be extra. I'm not going to lie, though. I would probably do the same, but I wouldn't leave yeah. my job. Yeah, it's like he he would probably still be spending that money today if not yeah. for the fact that he was so reckless with it. I, I so... just live my life um to the max between work shifts. <laughs> between work shifts, yeah. <laughs> um, so then um Malcolm decided to head back to Ireland alone, but he told Brenda that he would be back and he told her that he was going to Switzerland. Now he was back <laughs> okay. in yeah, he, I'm going to Switzerland and off he pops back to Dublin. Looks so like a beautiful was... country though, but I wouldn't yeah. say I'm going to Switzerland and then go to fucking Dublin. Sorry, but yeah. no. So he was back in Dublin by July 8th with a plan to get more money already in place. He was going to rob a bank. And his first oh. step, yeah, yeah, big dreams. Um, and his first step was to steal a car. And so that's what he set out to do. So on July Here's 22nd. Here's that eccentricness. Yep. On July 22nd, 1982, a gardener by the name of Paddy Byrne was walking home through Phoenix Park in Dublin. It was a beautiful sunny day and the park was full of people enjoying the fine weather. But one person in particular caught Paddy's eye due to his strange behaviour. He said of the man, quote, I saw this fella and he was acting very strangely. He was jumping from one tree to the other and he was wearing a hat. He was a well-dressed man, cravat and all, jumping from tree to tree. It's Curious George's owner. It's honestly, he's, he, Josh, the man had a cravat on. A cravat. What, what's that? So it's like, I'm trying to think of a character that wears one. Fred, Fred from Scooby Doo. You know how he wears like the, the white thing. sweater with the blue shirt and the orange. That's a cravat. Oh, the neck thing is a cravat. Okay, there it's we go. A cravat. He was wear- He was dressed like Fred from Scooby Doo. I can't remember Fred's surname right now, but sure, look, it's fine. Um, so the strange man was Malcolm MacArthur, and according to Paddy, he seemed very interested in a particular grey car. He passed by it, did a turnabout and passed it again. And it struck Paddy as odd, so he watched him. Now, 27-year-old nurse Bridie Gargan owned this car and she had just finished work. She was heading home. She was heading home when she decided to stop for some fresh air. As MacArthur approached her, Bridie went to stand up only to be viciously attacked by Malcolm. Now, Paddy initially... Sorry, Paddy initially believed it, the gardener initially believed it to be a dispute between a couple. So he tried to intervene. He jumped over a wall and ran straight for the car where MacArthur was now beating Bridie in the back seat with a lump hammer. A fucking lump hammer. What's like, a lump hammer? A lump hammer is, it kind of looks like a rough sledgehammer. Oh God. Um, like. Um, That's vicious. Yeah vicious absolutely vicious and like i dropped a lump hammer on my toes when i was like three or four and it has that the pain she's still waiting for her toe to grow back guys years <laughs> um so a lump hammer is like a small like a small um sledgehammer okay with like the square block on the end um so macarthur must have heard paddy burn coming and in a desperate attempt to conceal his crime, he covered Bridie's body with newspapers. So when Paddy reached the car and banged on the window, Malcolm was calmly reading a newspaper in the back seat of the car. Paddy demanded to know what was going on and was told it was nothing and to get lost. 
When he reached to open the door, MacArthur jumped out with a gun and said, quote, back off or I'll put a bullet in you. So Paddy and MacArthur struggled and Paddy ended up shoved into a ditch. So before MacArthur managed to take off in Bridie's car, Paddy saw her attempt to sit up and say something. And now he says she was badly beaten and extremely bloodied. Um, I didn't take the direct quote, but I'm pretty sure in the direct quote, he said it looked like someone had thrown a can of tomatoes over her. Fucking hell. And she was obviously still in the car at this point. She was still in the back of the car. She was semi-conscious. Yeah. Um, it's kind of thought that she had heard Paddy and um, Malcolm fighting and she was trying to ask Paddy for help. Yeah. Um, but obviously MacArthur um, managed to drive off. With her still her, in the car. Still in the car. Fuck. So as MacArthur was driving, an ambulance came across him and seeing the blood in the back of the car, as well as a hospital sticker, because remember, this is Bridie's car and she was a nurse. Um, they yeah. assumed they assumed that it was a doctor trying to get a patient to the hospital. So they shouted for him to follow them and said that they would put on their blue lights. So he did follow them for a short time. But as soon as the ambulance turned into the grounds of St. James's Hospital near Kilmainham, um, MacArthur turned around and drove off. So Paddy, Paddy Burns. The ambulance drivers must have been like, what the fuck is going on? They must have been so confused. One second, I'm just readjusting. Um, so Paddy MacArthur then tried to flag someone down and eventually he managed to flag down, I believe it was one of his co-workers. And they went out um, looking for Bridie's car. So after... About half an hour, they returned to Phoenix Park, which was now swarmed with guards. The scene was cordoned off. And as the only witness who actually saw what had happened, because the park was full of people, but Paddy Byrne was the only one who had really seen what had actually taken place. Yeah, because um, he was keeping an eye on this strange dude. Yeah. Um. So because he was the only witness who actually saw what had happened, Paddy was questioned immediately. Gardy took fingerprints from Paddy as well because they were so keen to find Bridie and to get to the bottom of things. Now, Bridie was found a few hours later. She was either thrown down in a laneway or in the back seat of her car, which had been abandoned in Rialto. And after being rushed to hospital, she Rialto sounds like days. a very fancy name for Dublin. It does. Um, so she was rushed to hospital. She fought for her life for four days, but she did ultimately pass away from her injuries. Now, after abandoning Bridie, MacArthur went into a travel shop on the South Circular Road so that he could check bus times to Finglas. His partner, Brenda, was from there and he knew the area well. But either now some of the sources do differ. So if I'm saying either of these things happened, that's why. So either just before he went to Finglas or when he stopped in Finglas he went into a pub where he shaved off his beard in an attempt to conceal his identity and two days later he was travelling to Edenderry in Offaly where he had plans to purchase a gun because as police would come to find out later the gun that he had used to threaten Paddy Byrne was only a replica Okay, so wasn't actually going to fire Yeah, but obviously because it's a replica it looks It looks it looks quite realistic. So Paddy was absolutely right to be in fear for his life and to protect his own life. Um, now, he, yeah. in saying that, he did try to fight this man off and he did do everything he could to try and help Bridie. Yeah. Um, 
So the reason that Malcolm had chosen Edenderry was because he had seen an ad in a newspaper advertising a shotgun for sale by one Donald Dunn. So he hopped on a bus and he arrived in Edenderry on Saturday, July 24th, 1982. It was the day before, it was actually the day before Offaly were due to play Kilkenny in the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship final in Croke Park, I'll have you know. Um, so MacArthur spent the night at the harbour and the next morning he went to a local shop where he bought a carton of milk and the Sunday Independent. How very Irish of him. Yeah, standard. Carton of milk and Sunday paper. There was an article about Bridie Gargan in this copy of the Sunday Independent as well. Now this morning, which was the Sunday, just to be clear, was the morning that he had arranged to meet 27-year-old Donald Dunn to buy his shotgun. The two men um, met at around 10.30am outside the post office in the centre of the town. Donal drove them to a bog that was between Edenderry and Rathangan so MacArthur could, quote, test the gun safely. As soon as Donal handed MacArthur the gun to test it, MacArthur turned, and shot him, turned around and shot there him from go. a distance three yards away, giving the unsuspecting and defenceless Donal no chance to protect himself. MacArthur then half-arsed the job of hiding Donald's body in some brambles before stealing the car and fleeing the scene. Now, Donald's body would be found a few days later by a seven-year-old boy who was out having oh. his family. He had seen a blood trail, followed the blood trail, and found Donald's body in the brambles. Yeah, natural child curiosity. Yeah. So, Gardy were notified immediately and an investigation was launched with 300 rookie officers searching the boglands for the murder weapon at one point. Um, Donald's car was later found near the central bank on Dame Lane in Dublin. At this point in time, Gardy had become intrigued by the similarities and descriptions of the man who had killed both Brian Gargan and Donald Dunn. When investigators in Edenderry began tracing Donald Dunn's last known movements and witnesses came forward to describe a man wearing horn-rimmed glasses, a tweed overcoat, peaked hat and dark pants, there could be no denying the similarities to, this, to the description Paddy Byrne gave of Bridie's killer. Mm. Sorry, I'm running low on breath. <laughs> <laughs> Oxygen depleting, please restart. Yeah. So additionally, the man's accent had been taken note of by both the locals in Offaly and the office worker he had asked about bus times in Dublin. Now, his accent was described as, quote, cut glass and culture and cultured. So okay. I think that just means he didn't have like a rough Dublin accent. He had like a more kind of posh, <clears throat> kind of like how there's like different Cork accents so you have like yeah like and as well he was described as being like eccentric and when he did have all that money was trying to live this lush life then he yeah. probably was having some sort of a less um a, a more polished accent yeah he would have had fit it in more... with who he was trying to be at least oh actually sorry uh in the newspapers around the time of this he was referred to one headline that i saw um called him a posh dandy Dandy, why is that? Oh, Dandy. <laughs> yeah, Dandy from um, American Horror Story. Um, but yeah, I called him a posh Dandy. Wait, from American Horror Story? I'm thinking of the cartoon. What cartoon? The cartoon, Dandy. Never heard of it. I think that's a thing anyway. I was thinking of, um, you know, American Horror Story Freak Show. Well, I'm just thinking Freak Show wouldn't have been out then. 
Well, no, but like it just reminds me of the character from American Horror Story Freak Show. His name was Dandy and he was a murderer. Oh, Dandy was the psycho dude. I think he was, was the psycho, the, the rich, the rich anyway. kid, um, the eccentric dude, the eccentric right. dude who wanted to buy the the carnival people. But anyway, oh no, he no, he didn't want to buy them. He wanted um Dot and Dot and Betty. Was that their names? Oh, correction. I cannot find anything to do with a cartoon called Dandy. A dandy is a man who places particular importance upon physical appearance and personal grooming, refined language and leisurely hobbies. Every activity pursued with apparent nonchalance. So, so basically Malcolm MacArthur, he's a dandy. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, so they had kind of taken notes. Oh, there is a cartoon. And... Oh, is there? But anyway, go on. Sorry, I was just um, curious as to what dandy meant. So, um, as well as all of this evidence that was kind of adding up, a fingerprint was found on the discarded copy of the Sunday Independent because people had seen him up at the harbour and at this shop reading the newspaper. Now, suck on that, you punt. <clears throat> so they found his fingerprint on his copy of the Sunday Independent and were able to match it to fingerprints found on polythene wrapping left on a shovel at the Bridie Gargan scene. Now, while the link was undeniable, Gardy were still no closer to finding the identity of their suspect, so they continued tracing steps and following leads in both Offaly and Dublin. So now we're on August 4th, 1982, and it's time. It's time for the final instalment of MacArthur's plan, right? The bank. No. Oh. He brings himself and his stolen shotgun to the home of US diplomat... Henry Bailing in Kill in Killiney. Yeah, Killiney. Killiney. <laughs> I'm just so like, what the fuck? We went from I'm going to rob a bank to I'm going to steal a car, beat someone so that they'd end up dying, and now I'm going to the house of a US diplomat with a gun instead of just using the gun in the car to do the bank robbery. Sorry, I'm just trying to figure out if I'm pronouncing this. No, sorry, I think it's actually Killiney. Or Kalini, hang on. One second. Has to be one of those three anyway. Pronunciation. It's it's Kalini. I was reading I was saying Kalini and I was like, that doesn't seem right. So in Kalini. Now he somehow charms Henry into letting him in, convincing him that he had been and in this attendance. This is the diplomat. This is the diplomat. So he convinced Henry that he had been in attendance at parties that had been thrown at the house in the past and that all he wanted was to take some photos of the bay from one of the windows. Now, Henry, for some bizarre reason, was like, oh yeah, no hassle, kid, come on in. At which point, MacArthur whips out the gun and is like, yeah, bitch, this is actually a robbery. Um, so Henry offers to go to another room to get his checkbook, and this is when he's able to escape from MacArthur. So Malcolm does the wise thing and flees the scene. Now, where does he go to hide? I love how he didn't follow him when he was going to get the checkbook to make sure he actually no. got the checkbook. And also, do you think when you walk into a bank to cash it, it's not going to have been reported? Exactly. Unless he was going to kill um, him when he got the cheque, I don't know. So, do you want to know where Malcolm MacArthur went to hide? Uh, his home. Sure, where else would he go but to the house of one Paddy Connolly, a.k.a. the Attorney General at the time? <laughs> no. He Hid out in the attorney general's house, Josh. 
I mean, I know nobody knew who he was, but like the dude that the, the diplomat that he just tried to like fucking rob is surely going to be able to identify him, you know, or give a good description leading to the attorney general being like, hmm. Oh no, Josh, it gets worse. It gets worse, right? So now, so as I said, Paddy Connolly was the attorney general at this time um, in 1982. And Connolly, he knew both MacArthur and his partner, Brenda Little. And like Malcolm basically told him that he had just come back from Switzerland and he needed somewhere to stay. So the attorney general offered up his spare room, obviously not knowing what had been going on with Malcolm. Because he was supposedly in Switzerland, not different parts of Dublin and Ireland. (laughs) Exactly. Now, this is where the net starts to close in on MacArthur because the thick cunt rings the Dawkey Garda station and goes, here, you know that attempted robbery at Henry Bailing's house? Yeah, that was just a prank. Don't worry about it. Is he slow? He fucking must be, right? So then the Garda who took that phone call obviously found it suspicious. And he said that he could hear classical music playing in the background. And when he asked for the caller's name, what did MacArthur do? Gave his name. He gave his full name and even mentioned that he had been born on Gardner Street, apparently. What in the name of God? I swear to God, I was reading it as I was researching and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, how? how I just lost my life there for a second. So, despite this little revelation, door to door inquiries yielded no further information until a gut instinct led Detective Mick Sullivan to phone the detectives who were investigating the murders of Bridie and Donal to inform them that they had had a quote, this is a direct quote, unusual aggravated robbery here. And the more I think about it, the more I think the fella that did it is your man. Now, this was largely due to the description given by Henry Bailing. Paul does. Paul does. Yeah, so he gave a well, a description of a well-dressed and well-spoken assailant. Now, around the same time, a newspaper seller in Dunleary came forward saying that a reconstruction of Bridie Gargan's killer had jogged his memory of a strange customer wearing a tweed hat, beige jumper and glasses. Now, the jumper had shoulder patches and matched a jumper that was discarded by the killer in a garden as he fled the scene where he had left Bridie Gargan. A motorist then came forward to say that he had picked up a hitchhiker wearing a cravat in Kalini the day of the Henry Bailing attempted robbery and that he had brought the man to Pilot View in Dawkey. Now, this was a new lead for Gardy. And so detectives Tony Hickey and Kevin Tunney drove out to Pilot View in search of additional leads. They brought a folder of photo fits of their suspect with them and the description at this point in the investigation was of a cravat-wearing, wavy-haired man who was sophisticated and soft-spoken. One resident said it sounded quite like the Attorney General's nephew who was currently staying at him, staying with him. Now, I don't actually think there was any blood relation between MacArthur and Conley, um, but I think maybe the neighbours just assumed that it was his nephew that was just uh, general Irish idol gossip, basically. Yeah, so like, oh, I must be sure there's no dumb for staying in there with Paddy Connolly. Is it his nephew? It must be his nephew. And then the next person to tell the story says, oh, do you know his nephew's staying with him? Yeah, so yeah, that is his nephew. His nephew, um, I think his name is um, is Malcolm. Um, now the next day when detectives arrived at Pilot View. 
they were lucky enough to run into a taxi driver who was actually on his way to deliver hacksaw blades and Perrier well water to a well-spoken gentleman in one of the apartments. Perrier well water, Josh. Random. Fancy. He's not drinking the tap water. He wants the Perrier well water. So, I'm so caught for breath tonight. I don't know what's going on with me. I've not even been smoking my vape. How unusual. Um, so Gardy suspected, <laughs> Gardy suspected that the hacksaw blades would be used to saw off the barrels of um, Donald Dunn's shotgun. And they were certain that they had the right person and the right place. They were sure that they had seen the silhouette of their killer at the penthouse window. And so they proceeded to raid the gaff. Now, Attorney General Connolly, who had been busy getting ready for a holiday, a holiday in the US, was shocked and, quote, ashen faced. He was pale as a ghost when he opened his front door to find 12 armed officers. Now, they entered the home and they swiftly arrested MacArthur. He offered no resistance and I've lost my place. Hold on. Bear with. I feel like that all the time. So... He offered no resistance and he was taken silently in a guard car to Dunleary. Police found Donald Dunn's shotgun inside the apartment. MacArthur was questioned at Dunleary station where he gave a 21-page statement. Oh 21 pages. Fiha hain. Fiha hain. 21 pages. Vantail. Um. Yeah, so his... um. 21 page statement began with the following quote I affirm that I am responsible for the deaths of nurse Bridie Gargan and Mr Donald Dunn end quote Gardy described his manner during this time as condescending calm and non-committal saying he showed no remorse for his actions actions and that he was quote all chat in the squad car as he was transported to Mountjoy prison Now, the fingerprints found on the shovel and the newspaper were determined to be a match to MacArthur and that coupled with his confession sealed his fate. Now, this next part, this next part, I'm going to try to explain it as best as I can, but I'm not good with Latin or legal terminology. So bear with. Now, because Malcolm MacArthur had confessed to the murder of Bridie, the state entered a plea of null prosecute. This can be abbreviated to null or null pros, and is legal Latin, meaning, quote, to be unwilling to pursue. It is a type of prosecutorial discretion in common law used for prosecutors' declarations that they are voluntarily ending a criminal case before trial or before a verdict is rendered. It is a kind of motion to dismiss and contrasts with an an involuntary dismissal. So basically, from what I understand, that means that because he had already confessed to the murder of Bridie Gargan and she was the first victim. And the evidence was there as well, then a trial isn't really needed, is it? No, they decided to only pursue charges for Bridie's murder and not for Donald's. Oh. So there was no real justice. That's not very fair. No, it's not. Like, there was no real justice for Donald Dunn. I... No, the... The articles that I read basically just said that the reasons for them not pursuing Donald's charges were quite complex. This is all that I could find on it, is what I just read out there. Doesn't seem that complex to me. Um, I don't, no. I don't see why they couldn't have charged him with both murders. It makes no sense to me. And I think it's honestly quite cruel 
that it does sounds have like okay fair it, enough maybe there was better reasons but I, off the cuff it just sounds like laziness to me yeah so despite a petition which reached 10,000 signatures by the public who disagreed with this Malcolm MacArthur was not prosecuted or charged with the murder of Donald Dunn what a joke honestly now <laughs> during this time Paddy Connolly you know the attorney general who had hosted our killer yes right <laughs> he decided Do you know what now I'm going on my fucking holiday and off he went to the US right too right now this you'd caused, want to break after that this caused absolute war in the media and the public so the Taoiseach at the time, Charlie Hawhey, had to ring, excuse me, had to ring him and be like, get your arse home now. And also you're relieved of your duties as attorney, as attorney general, by the way. Um, so this actually ends up costing um, Paddy Connolly his job. And Am I the only one that doesn't see the big deal? Well, I think... Unless media, you're needed, like as yeah, a witness or unless media, you're needed... I think the media were looking at it and the public was looking at it as well. Right, this man killed two people and he stayed in your house for however long, we'll say a week or two. Um, and you could be a crucial witness. So just because you're an attorney general doesn't excuse you from your responsibilities to the court or whatever. Um, yeah, but I'm assuming if he was called back, he'd have been there straight away. Do you know what I mean? You have to be summoned to court, don't you? Yeah, but the thing is, he took off, basically, I think, as soon as MacArthur was arrested. Like, he didn't wait around to find out what the story was or anything. Um, So I think it was just seen as a very, um, a callous decision by the public, I suppose. Um, not thought true. Yeah, like, not really well thought out. And as well, the fact that he went to New York instead of waiting around to see was he needed for the case or was there anything he could do to help or anything like that. It was just seen as very selfish. Um, so then Charlie Hawhey had to ring him and be like, Oh, yeah, you see, I forget the time frame as well of when this was because I was like, I'm like, the man could just attend through a Skype call, but not back then. No, no, not in the 80s. Um, so Hawhey, Charlie Hawhey, the Taoiseach at the time, would go on to describe the events that had unfolded as, quote, grotesque, unbelievable, bizarre, and unprecedented, which became known by the acronym GUBU. Apparently, this was a big thing in politics back then, but I don't know because I wasn't born yet. Um, but it was like basically like a meme before there was memes. And you said, "Oh, I get you." Like, um, so like that was the Taoiseach that said that, is it? Yeah. So the Taoiseach can say about how grotesque the whole situation is and everything, but yet the state won't prosecute for the death of the other person. Okay. Honestly, ridiculous. Like, so. I'm about to finish up um, just a couple more lines on him being sentenced and things. But yeah, I, I, the Gubu thing, um, Murder Must Irish have covered this case as well. And I think they kind of have a better explanation of Gubu and how it was culturally and politically used at the time. I just don't know myself. I couldn't make heads nor tails of it. Um, I suppose I wasn't born until 1997. It was not really a thing during my childhood we're we're sticking um, to the crime instead of the um instead of the, yeah. the extras whereas because... i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure the girls from murder most irish i don't think they were born at the time um or else they were very very young at the time but i know they have mentioned a bit more about it they seem to have a better understanding of it than i do um now in january 1983 malcolm MacArthur was jailed for life 
he served most of his sentence in Mountjoy Prison and spent some time in Arbor Hill also. And he finished serving his sentence in an open prison called Shelton Abbey. In 2012, Malcolm MacArthur was released. after. See, what I don't understand is why life sentences in like Ireland anyway never seem to actually be life. Never. Like he served 30 years of a life sentence for the murder of Bridie Gargan. So he was 66 at the age of his release which means he was 36 at the time of the crimes. He killed two 27-year-olds, was only charged for one, and he would now be 77? No, 70... Yeah, 77, I think. Yeah, because like if they gave him two life sentences, because if they charged him with the second one, he'd have been in there until his 90s. Exactly. Roughly. And Maybe 80s. Personally... Sorry, I've just... <laughs> Sorry, I was just trying to find my PDF in my email and I clicked into um, a spam email from Han Telep with uh, no subject of we proof connected it. Mankind not not with that depravity had that all the pardoning of and this applauded was and then some emojis and then some numbers. And then what there's the a PDF that God I'm going into. Even is that. Honestly, mad shit. Mad, mad shit. I don't think they know. I think they might be using Google Translate. Oh, there's a new um, there's a new scam going around at the moment, actually, which is to do with on post. Um, basically, you get oh, a text yeah. saying, "Yeah, on post has a package for you," but the text there's is Amazon in ones and the UPS ones and everything going around. Yeah. But it was just the fact that it was Oxwell Gaelic. It was fully in Irish. So obviously what they do is they translate their scams into whatever language is used in that country. But they obviously don't realise that not many people in Ireland are actually fluent in Irish. Yeah, like as in those texts come out in English, thanks. Yeah, but I um, thought that was interesting. Um, hang on, I'm just going to go into my PDF and see if it does say anything about my um, IQ. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Sorry, I've just noticed Tanya mentions that quote completing the day drains her. It does. It fucking does. On a soul level. Um. So how do you find out your IQ? I can't remember because I don't know it was in my report because she told me there and then off of the. Do you know the thing where you, to, I'm assuming you did the same as me for that part, as in where you have to, you know, make the shapes and answer the questions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was, I have it it was on that the, piece of paper. It's Wechsler or Wexler Intelligence Scale for Adults. Like, um... Oh, hold on. I have high average... High average verbal comprehension... And then I have an average perceptual reasoning. And then... I'm trying to find mine now as well, out of curiosity, um, because I, I have average working memory ever. index. And I have average processing speed. I, I, I did have to hear someone use the words processing speed. I'm like, girl, you a computer. <laughs> I'm a computer. Um, it says I have average intellectual functioning when compared to I'm the test standardization. To where mine is. 
Let's see. Did I save it? It's definitely here somewhere. Uh, ah, shit, wrong button. I'm like, where the fuck is it? I got it. So what? So I was looking at the. Where did it go again? Jesus Christ! It's like the full scale intelligence quotient. Is that the heading title? Yeah. It should be under your processing speed. (laughs) Processing speed. Are you going to cut? Are you going to cut this part out? I wasn't going to. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so you just all the listeners get to hear about our um our I can PDF. No, it's great. Doesn't bother me. I'm like, you know, um Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um and how do you write so, oh there we go? Like it'll say so like the results obtained from the application of the waste IV point to Average intellectual functioning when compared to the test standardization sample. Uh, mine says general intellectual functioning. Oh, I have average. In average when compared to the test. So like mine is. What's my processing speed? Oh, 97. fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. Your processing speed. What's mine? My processing speed was. Is that is that like the one in black processing speed index percentile of confidence um, interval? It's just above it. Yeah, it says PSI equals. Oh, mine is one hundred and two. Very good. We're both in the confidence um, section, here. I believe. Do you want to know a fun fact? Go on. Right. So. In terms of math concepts and applications, math computation, composite, and math fluency, right? So for composite, there's nothing there. But math concepts and applications, my age equivalent is nine years and 10 months. My math computation is nine years and one month, and my math fluency is 10 years and 10 months. So what that basically means is I can only, my maths level is the same as a nine and 10 year old. That is crazy. I wouldn't have thought mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I'm 25 years old and I can, I can't like, and the thing is, I know from working with after schoolers that will say the after schoolers that I had would have ranged in age from junior infants to sixth class. And I have yeah. noticed with you that as soon as I got to third class maths, that's when I would start to struggle and anything above that, I would have to bring in outside help. <laughs> That's interesting. I've not actually read this properly before. I think I did briefly, um, like when I got it at first, but I since then I don't think I have gone through it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, that's our little, that's our little tangent at the end of that on about intelligence, 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 and don't forget, completing the day is draining. <laughs>
Exactly. Although I would say, I don't find it as draining as I did at the time of my assessment. We've, Who we've did I say in. it to? And they said, I said, this has nothing to do with that. But when you said about the day's draining anything, I was like, that'd be good on a t-shirt. But I was also <laughs> thinking then, I was like, who did I say something to the other night? My cousin on the phone last night. I said to her, um, we were talking, and um, I don't know, did I say Jesus or something, or did she say Jesus? I think I said something like, oh, Jesus. And she yeah. was like, I need that. And then she was on about, like, you know, um, something else. But she was like, not Jesus. I, I, I need the thing we were on about before that. And I was like, girl, I was like, Jesus needs us. Religion is dying. He does need us, but he can't have us. No, I'm okay with my um my spirituality um vibe and don't well, put in really right with Jesus. Of, um, I love how this this is this has gone from us being on like a chaotic tangent to this is now a FaceTime. Like we're not even. Yeah, this is basically just a general conversation that we're yeah, including this is our a, listeners. This is a phone. Welcome to the phone call, guys. Um, but Josh, we need to finish sorting the designs for those hoodies as well. I just thought of it there. Oh yeah, we need to do that photo thing and see how it turns out. Yes. Um. Oh, I have the one that we took today. Actually, I could try that. That could work. But I was also thinking, you know, like the setup with the microphones and everything as well. Oh, yes, that's what we wanted to do. Um, yeah, we'll sort it anyway. Um, so, yeah, me and Josh are going getting ourselves hoodies, guys. We're very, very excited about this um, with the Twisted yes. Talk. Twisted Talks, Twisted Hoodies for Twisted People. Yes. Yes. Yep, that's about right. Yeah. Oh, that could be our little slogan if we ever do merch. Twisted merch for twisted bitches. Oh my God, no. Do you know what I want? Twisted twisted merch for twisted twats. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call our listeners twats. That's so Well, rude. I was more so referring to the two of us. Yeah, but that's not... On our just, hoodies. Like, not on you're going to hurt their not feelings, on, Josh. Not They're not going to listen to us anymore. Them. Oh my god, okay, no, sorry. I'm going, no, I was just about to say, oh my god, if we wanted to roll on with insults, we could be like, you know how everyone has like, you know, like let's say Lady Gaga's followers are her little monsters. Yeah. We could have our twisted twatlings. Oh. <laughs> it makes it sound so cute with the word lings on, with the lings on the end of it. It's like how I don't call baby sheep lamb, I call them sheeplings. Sheeplings. Our twisted sheeplings. Twisted sheeplings. Twisted twatlings. Twisted twatling. <laughs> Obviously, we're not doing that, guys. And none of you are twats. Unless they don't like you, then maybe you're a little bit of one. But I, but I don't know. So, yeah. Look at that. And to think, right, me and Josh were like, well, I was stressing because Josh's last case was like just over 2,000 words. And I think we just about hit half an hour on that. Yeah, so whereas we've what... done, I did a lot of questions at start as well. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, whereas... um this one i really thought that i wasn't going to get much on it but i managed to pull some articles from the depths of the internet that were really helpful so we managed to get a good bit and it's look at that an hour we're coming up on an hour like we do have to cut out the first four minutes because we said some things that can't go on air did we i don't think we said anything too bad i think it was just like we hold on before you say anything because i know you could let something slip but there was something that i was talking about that can't be said on air because i'll get in trouble (laughs) You're going to have to tell me afterwards because I don't remember. 
Yeah. It's nothing bad. I didn't like use a bad word or call anyone a bad name. It was just the topic itself. Um, it's not something that I can talk about on air without getting in trouble. Um, <laughs> oh, I think I know what it is. Yeah. So we're going to have to cut that out. Um, yeah. It's not a bad thing at all. It's just something that can't be mentioned for certain reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if no, I'm, I'm panicking because yeah. I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that popped into my head. Um, I was, I love how you went with that, and I was thinking I don't normally get nervous, but I'm starting to get a little bit shaky. And then, and then while that was going on, there was like a background sound behind that noise in my head, going, "I'm claustrophobic, Darren." I'm claustrophobic, Darren. <laughs> the end of this episode is such a mess. Yeah, as always, we're well, really know, doing, um, like, it's, a, it's, you know, it's on brand. It's a case and a chat. Yeah, it's 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 just on brand for us. I do feel like since we started recording in the car, like when we used to record at your kitchen table, we were so professional. And then as soon as we started recording in the car, it all went to hell. It all it just became. I think it's just because though any of the recording in the kitchen was for the most part was like early days. Yeah. And I feel like then now we've just got so much more comfortable in general anyway with what we come out with and the tangents we go on that we're just like, yeah. Yeah, honestly, there's some things that I probably shouldn't be talking about on the podcast, but like it's out there now. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, everyone's like, you know, my name, not my story. And I'm like, yeah, well, unfortunately, I'm an open book that doesn't shut the fuck up. So I feel like a lot of people know my story. <laughs> but you know everything. <laughs> Ew, post COVID cough. No, it's probably the bit. Nice. Look, I'm going to go. Um. Yeah, so let's tie it up, guys. Thank you for listening to the case and if you've and made chaos. it this far thank you for also to listening to yes the chaos and Josh, the chats and the band Josh, i've decided but sorry this has just come to my head and i want it on record if we ever make a patreon i want it to be called twisted talks and then what are the two dots called the two um, not ampersand that's an and symbol um what like this colon colon thank you so twisted talks colon Cases and chaos. Even just chaos. Yeah, this is chaos. Well, yeah. Because especially if it's a Patreon, because like I was thinking, I'm just going to let people in on this. So I'm a fucker. If we get to the stage of Patreon, like as well as doing exclusive giant cases in there, we can do ones like you know where you cover case and I'm listening, but we could also do ones like if there's really short ones we like where we just record them ourselves. Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like a mini sword on our own when we free time or whatever. And, yeah. And, you know, so, yeah. Ow! Sorry, lip piercing. Oof. Josh's gone mad for the piercings, lads. It's lovely. Yes, I love, in the last honestly. couple of, in the last, like, literally two-week period, if even, I've got my nostril pierced, I got my septum pierced, I got my eyebrow pierced, and I got my lip pierced. Shout out to Allure Aesthetics. We love Chloe. And the thing is, me and Josh both got our noses pierced together back in November, and then Josh's nose piercing disappeared on a night out, as as these things do. So no, then he he's went a and got girl. His, so then he went and got his nose and his septum pierced, and then he snapchatted me the, the other day and was like, I got my eyebrow and my lip pierced too. Oh, actually, wait, it was so funny. Do you know when I went in to get uh, my nose done again? Yeah. I, you know, I said it to Chloe and obviously she asked, you know, how yours was getting and I was like, no, Tanya's is good, you know, she managed to keep hers in and whatnot and Chloe was like, yeah, she understood the assignment, I was like, yeah, I didn't Yeah, I did understand the assignment, Chloe I took your directions very seriously <laughs> I took them seriously until every sort of drink underneath the sun was um 
we won't even talk about the rest of the stuff I did that night because I'm just not comfortable <laughs> with saying that on air. I don't need everyone to know that, just the people that already know. And if you're listening and you know, I hope you're having a great time chuckling right now. I like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Classy bird. <laughs> Okay, no, okay. Um, if you know, you know. Um, and I'm leaving it at that. <laughs> I'm guessing by how much you're laughing, you'd completely forgotten until this moment. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, um, honestly, I need, like, I was going to say I need a supervisor on a night out, but that wouldn't work because I would just be like, um, no. <laughs> no, because I've tried being your supervisor on nights out many times and it it just ends up with me being drunker than you somehow. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm don't try and supervise me because you'll end up corrupted. <laughs> oh, Josh, that was, I needed that laugh. That was nice. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Always here to help a shit day get better. <laughs> but anyway with that i think okay right guys thanks for listening to the case thanks for listening to us um chat and be ominous about nights out um and whatnot and um follow us on social medias if you don't already twisted talks on facebook twisted talks the pod on or is it twisted talks pod it's either twisted talks to the pod or twisted talks pod on instagram and, um, by the way, we're going to be naming our Patreon Rebel Alley. <laughs> I forgot it was even called that. Yeah, it's Rebel Alley. Uh, that's the name of that specific place. Yes. Any whore. Uh, um, so, any whore. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, and... Keep um, keep coming with the suggestions, guys. Any yes. of you that want have any cases that you think would be cool. Well, not cool, but you know what I mean. Um, that you'd like to hear us cover anywhere and whatnot, send them in. You can, if you know either of us personally, feel free to give us a message. If yeah, you want to message us be... through the page on Instagram, whatever. And even if you don't follow the page or you don't feel comfortable messaging the page for whatever reason, I don't know why anyone wouldn't be, but just in case, you know, people be anxious. Um, Josh Josh does run the social medias and the Instagram and things. Um, I probably should take some responsibility for it. I normally, to be fair, I'm I'm lazy anyway. So I'm like, when I'm in a productive mood, I just schedule everything then so that it's done in yeah. one sitting. Exactly. So if for whatever reason you don't want to message the Twisted Talks page and you are someone who knows us um, or is from town, you can always message us individually on our own pages if you follow us on our own pages. Um, and for some reason, those of you that might like to use email, our email is in the bio to on Instagram. Yes. So you can reach out that way as well. Um, yes um, um also yes. just like oh. i don't know why but if we cover a case that someone suggested and you don't want us to shout you out for giving us the case include that in your suggestion oh, yes. because by default we will absolutely um but if you want to stay anonymous just say to us please keep me in on and we'll absolutely do that we are all for respecting people's rights and their privacy i like how you abbreviated it to a non because anytime i hear that i just think of grinder a non-straight guy you're on grinder you're clearly not straight. And if I meet I you, you're you no are. longer a nun. I know them also, freckles. Also, I don't meet blank profiles. I know saying. them freckles. Sorry. 
Sorry, what you what? said? Oh, what I was saying say? also I don't meet blank profiles because I don't I don't want to end up being a case. No. Um we I have spent many years beating safety into Josh and I think it's finally working. So Well, in, we... in one aspect it worked and in another it still hasn't, but Yeah, sure look. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> Anywhere. Once again, right. the third or fourth time saying goodbye. Good luck and thanks, and we hope you enjoyed it. Five-star reviews, please, and thank you. Love you all. Appreciate you all. And even though it's like the end of January, start of February, by the time this goes up, Happy New Year again, because fuck it, Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's. And, you know, live your best life. Dye your hair. Get piercings. And... Hide from the world in a hut in, in, in the middle of the woods. Yes. Yes. Okay. And don't be like okay. the people we talk about. Okay. I'll take that advice on board. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 So Processing. All right. Sinking in. Yeah. Okay. All right. right. Okay. All right. Go on. Good luck. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.